We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're talking running backs in Dynasty Startups on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz. I am joined by Matthew Friedman, a content creator for Fantasy Labs and the Action Network. Earlier in the week, we talked about running backs in Dynasty Startups. We are going to continue talking about running backs. We are going to start with the three players I mentioned at the end of last episode, and they are Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders. These guys feel to me, Matt, like they might be somewhere out in no man's land. And I don't know what to make of them from a startup perspective, given that I don't have a good feel for how other people are going to be valuing them. Have they lost some of the luster that they headed into 2020 with? I would say that they probably have, but I can still imagine people trying to put together compelling stories for them. So of those three, who do you like the most? Well, the guy like in a vacuum that I like the most would probably be Josh Jacobs. And it's like very simplistic. Like he's the youngest and I don't think he's actually been as bad as people think. Um, you know, like in theory, he had a disappointing year last year, but he still had 1300 yards and 12 touchdowns. Like, I, I don't know. Like on what planet is that really disappointing? Um, you know, you didn't have to pay, like an Ezekiel Elliott draft capital for him, but he outperformed Zeke. Yeah. You know, so I just kind of don't, I don't understand why people are so down on him, especially when he was still just 22. 
So imagine that his offense is maybe a little bit better this year. Maybe he does a little bit more as a receiver. I don't think he's going to have like significantly less of a workload as a runner. Uh, And like as a runner, you know, 18.6 carries in 2019, 18.2 carries last year. Like that's kind of the wheelhouse for where we should expect him to be. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like he's, I think he's undervalued in, in dynasty right now. Some of it is because people don't think he has receiving ability, although I think he probably does. Uh, some of it is just the offense that he's in. Uh, and some of it, I think, is kind of recency bias or um, a misconception about what he did last year. So Jacobs, uh, in a vacuum, I think has the most potential. But uh, in terms of like price adjusted, probably Joe Mixon for me, because uh, I think he's just he's tumbled down the board. You know, he had the injury issue like every, every week last year. It was like, is he playing? Is he not playing? And just ended up screwing. Let me rephrase that. It's not that he screwed a whole bunch of people who invested in him. It's just like that situation screwed people who invested in him. Um, and I think that is going to make people a little more hesitant. Um, but he is still relatively young because he also entered the league when he was just 21 years old as a rookie. Uh, he does have good pass catching ability. The offense that he's in uh, should be better this upcoming season. You know, and it's not as if like what he did last year in his limited action was bad. He had 566 yards, four touchdowns in six games. You know, like that's, that's pretty good. That's like on par with what he's been doing throughout his career. So, um, I'm interested in him because I think he will be cheaper than the other two guys that you mentioned and cheaper, just like in a vacuum cheaper than he should be. Yeah, that's perfectly fair. Um, I actually, my opinion of Josh Jacobs after this season has increased, um, which seems to be the counter to what would have happened for some people. But from my perspective, I consider the fact that he finishes an RB one 33% of the time an RB two 27% of the time. I mean, I think that there's a fair amount of utility for that, and he's only been in the league two years. That team situation that he's in feels like one that should at least be able to sustain him with the level of production that he has for another year or two. I'm not very worried about him having his role usurped. Um, So overall, I actually feel decent about Jacobs, and I could see myself in the right spot in a startup actually going for him. Um, You make a really good point, though, about Mixon feeling older than he is because he was 21 when he started off. I think you can also rationalize ways in which Cincinnati improves and then we don't see this weird situation with Mixon where some games he's really struggling and then the next thing you know he racks off like 50 points in one game. Um, We didn't talk too much about Sanders. I think that a lot of people are going to be worried about that offensive situation that we saw in Philadelphia last year, um, have questions about what's going to happen at quarterback, and that's probably going to lower down his stock in a lot of people's minds. I still feel very good about the fact that Miles Sanders is probably an above-average running back, but uh, because of the situation in Philadelphia, I'm just not really sure that I can elevate him too high in my rankings as we look forward. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's fair. One guy that we didn't mention last episode, um, who I think kind of fits in with that 
that overall group of guys we talked about first, like the Christian McCaffrey, Kamara, yep. Barkley, Cook, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, like Austin Eckler. Oh, I think is yes, kind of, yes. Is kind of in that group, although he's he never really feels as if he fits in that group, but just like he's been in the league uh, now for four years. He's a little bit on the older side, but I actually like him um, because I think he will be cheaper than all of those other guys, but he's still uh, in part because of his style of play, I think uh, can have several good years left in the league. And uh, with his receiving ability, I think there's significant upside there. He played only 10 games last year, but still had 933 yards from scrimmage. That's very much on par with what he did the year before, where he had 1,550 yards from scrimmage in 16 games. Um, you know, touchdowns, there's variability there, but uh, I don't know. I mean, he's, I think, he, like, from a overall talent perspective, I think he's one of the best backs in the league, and I think that's something that could sustain for a while. Not to mention the fact, too, that um, he still has a number of seasons in Los Angeles playing with Justin Herbert, um, not an unrestricted yes. free agent until after the 2023 season. So I think that's something that you have to keep in mind. Um, and in comparison to the other backs that are on the roster, uh, though Josh Kelly at the beginning of the season looked like he could make something happen, you really just have Kalen Bellage, um, Justin Jackson, only has one more year. Darius Bradwell, this isn't a depth chart that really speaks to the fact that Eckler is going to have a very substantial fight for production, unless, of course, the team goes ahead and drafts somebody. But I do like the situation that he finds himself in. Um, can I toss out another name there that, at least heading into yeah. this season, was sometimes included in the discussion with Eckler, and that's Kenyon Drake. Uh, I know that you've historically been... A fan of Kenyon Drake. Uh, yeah. Has Kenyon Drake reached the end of the road? I mean, he's he feels dead. Like, I don't know where anyone would draft him. Part of the problem is we don't know where he's going to be next year. Yeah. Um, you know, because he's, he's a free agent. Uh, even if he stays in Arizona, um, it's not – you know, it's not locked in that he's the clear lead back. He might end up having to share more of the role uh, with Chase Edmonds. Uh, and then he will be 27. So, you know, I, I mean, he's already 27. So I don't, I, I don't want, I don't want him, you know, like from, from a dynasty perspective, uh, I don't want him. And maybe I will be avoiding him a year too early, but I would just rather be a year too early. I really wish that I had a sound effect prepared for uh, End of the Road by Boys to Men because I think that's where Kenyon Drake is. Yeah. I mean, what's funny is that he has now at this point three straight years of over a thousand yards. He's had nine, eight, and 10 touchdowns in each of the past three years. It's not as if he's been a bad player. I don't think he's ever actually gotten the recognition for what he's done. Uh, and. Like now at this point, like I don't think he's going to like warrant the recognition. No, and, and but also though, because he's done just enough that it's raised his price a little bit. That um, it's going to be weird to watch where he can fall as terms as contracts go. Um, but then even if he gets priced down low, he might end up on a team that's just going to take a younger player in the draft, higher draft cap, you know, with some draft yeah. capital invested and going to go his way. Um, 
I did not actually um, have... Oh, wait, sorry. I think that we might be able to wait to talk about a couple of these guys, Matt, but I'm going to toss out James White right now because I do find him really interesting. I know I I heard some rumors about him potentially ending up in Green Bay, of course. We haven't talked at all about Aaron Jones because we just don't know what's going to happen. A.J. Dillon factors into that conversation, but... James White, a player that now has been in the league for a very long time, had a lot of success in New England. There's going to be that concern about is he able to do anything outside of that Patriots system at this point, Matt, um, after, you know, how many years is it? Is it uh, two? Wow. Is that seven years? Um, What are you doing with James White in startups? Are you at all interested? you know i don't know maybe he ends up going to tampa bay and he you know recreates some of that magic but no i'm I'm not really that interested in him if it's if it's best ball uh or you know like head-to-head best ball then that's slightly different um but still big picture i'm not all that interested in him because he's a rather limited player um so and he's going to be 29 so you know like you're going to get maybe three years out of him, but it's still not going to be all that great. Like I would just rather take shots on guys who are younger, you know? Yep. Completely agree. Um, so I know I had mentioned these players, uh, when you and I were talking about, about the show this week, and I know you don't have any interest in talking about them. Um, but Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, um, players in that ilk, Todd Gurley, do they even merit being drafted on a dynasty team in a startup for any reason? Yes. Um, if you have the strategy of, okay, so there could be a couple of strategies where I think they would work. One would be um, where you are trying to have your cake and eat it too, where you trade away some of your higher round picks to bank picks in upcoming drafts. Um, so you're sort of trying to build your future, but you also want to try to compete for this year. Like what you could do is still, uh, you know, try to get really good wide receivers, good tight ends, good quarterbacks, and then basically dumpster dive your running back position by going with these guys who might have one or two years left in them. And like maybe, you're able to cobble together enough running back production from these aging veterans to where for one year or two years, they're almost as good as the running back groups that you could have gotten if you had invested much, much more draft capital in your running back position. And then whenever those guys fade out of the league, you have the draft cap, the draft capital that you've banked, uh, because you traded away early picks, you have that draft capital to reinvest into your running back position. So it would make sense in the have your cake and eat it to strategy. And it would also make a little bit of sense, but not as much sense in a strategy where you are punting the running back position, but you're still trying to win or try, trying to compete this year. And you think like, okay, I'm not going to get much out of these guys, but they're cheap. I might get something out of them now and maybe they end up lasting longer and I get sort of like hidden upside from these guys if they have longer careers. So in that perspective, it could work, but you have to get them cheap 
Like it, it has to be the type of thing to where it's like they are falling much farther than they should in that, in that realm. Then it's like, okay, this is pure value seeking. And I'm just looking to exploit this asset for as long as I can. Fair enough. Um, I'm now going to take things a, a very different direction. I'm going to toss out three names here for you, Matt. And I am not saying that they are alike in any way. Just tell me from a dynasty startup perspective in relation to where you think that they probably would be going right now, who you'd be the most interested in. The players are Rashad Penny, Damian Harris, and James Conner. Four, we talked about those guys. There's one guy I want to mention. Okay. Maybe should have mentioned him last episode. Yep. When in the conversation where we listed all of the rookie now second year backs. So, you know, we talked about obviously Jonathan Taylor, Kim Akers, Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I was like, oh, I kind of forgot about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We talked about James Robinson. One guy I really forgot about is A.J. Dillon. And like, I want him everywhere because you mentioned Aaron Jones earlier. And it's like, well, we don't know what's going to happen with him. And that's true. We don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Jones, but like, I feel I know what's going to happen with Aaron Jones. Like what is going to happen is that he is not going to return to Green Bay because the team drafted A.J. Dillon last year. Like I think there's an excellent chance that both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are gone. Um, but I would, if I had to say that just one is gone, it's probably Aaron Jones with A.J. Dillon becoming the lead back in an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. And granted, A.J. Dillon didn't get much playing time last year. You know, they were basically giving him like the redshirt treatment. But when he did have uh, when he did have playing time, when he did have that one game where Jamal Williams was out and he was filling in, um, you know, going against Tennessee, he had 21 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be in that Derrick Henry mold where he never really gets much uh, in the way of like aerial production but like they can load him up on the ground and I'm not going to read too much into, you know, 5.3 yards per carry as a rookie. But um, I mean, the guy, I think the guy flashed enough in limited action last year. And then the circumstances are good enough this year. Uh, And then of course what he did in college uh, and the athleticism, like the near Derrick Henry freak athleticism that he has all of that put together that makes me incredibly bullish on AJ Dillon. So uh, he is someone I'm going to be aggressively targeting in startup uh, startup drafts. I mean, I almost want to enter a startup just to try and get AJ Dillon. Like I, I am yes. right there with you. Uh, but we will take a quick pause. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As always, for listening into another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRadio2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, let's head back to the question that I had posed. Three players where there's not necessarily a linkage between the three of them, but I find it interesting in relation to approximately where you think that they might be going. Rashad, Penny, Damien Harris, James Conner, who are you most interested in acquiring in a startup? Mm, Not James Conner. He's, you know, he's had flashes but he feels old and tired at this point. Uh, Damian Harris is the one I want. Um, I think he still is the best running back um, in New England. I think regardless of what they do at the quarterback position, they will probably still be something of a run-focused team. Um, He does have some receiving ability. We didn't see much of it, Uh, and maybe that's just something that – you know, he won't be able to build on in the NFL, but in college, he was a pretty decent receiver. Uh, and he was productive last year uh, in limited action, but, uh, you know, was productive. So he is the guy I would go with. I think people are just going to be down on that overall New England situation, which will create value for him. Yeah. Well, I mean, that backfield is really going to be him, Sony Michelle, and JJ Taylor, unless the team does something in the draft, which. I am not anticipating that it will or make a move of relevance. Um, I think that you can make a compelling case that at this point, he probably is the better runner than Sony Michelle. We've seen Sony Michelle really put things together in compelling fantasy ways, but the team has not displayed that they are really sold on him. At the very least, I think you're looking at a situation where it's back and forth between Harris and Michelle. Rashad Penny, it feels like that ship has likely passed. Um, so I, I completely get that sentiment there. Um, I'm going to give you the chance to pop in here if there's any names that you want to talk about. If not, I know where I want to head next. Um, let's go ahead and go wherever you want to okay. go. Uh, let's talk about Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Right, They were two players fairly popular among redraft players last year. At this point, Moss, uh, a year younger, they're both in on a team that looks like one that should be good for the foreseeable future. So Moss and Singletary, I would prefer Moss, um, but I think that it would be a possibility for a lot of people out there that they're sitting there in their startup. They do need some running back production, and they're thinking about going for Moss and Singletary. Are you with me that Moss is the player that you would prefer? Uh, 
And do you think that we should be considering these guys because of how good the Bills were in 2020? Yeah, I prefer Moss to Singletary. Um, I think he's just as good as a receiver, uh, and he's likelier to get the goal line work. But I'm still not all that interested in either one. Like, the good news is that they're cheap. You know, you can probably get both of them outside of the top 30 running backs. Um, The bad news is that they cannibalize each other. They're going to be splitting work with each other for the foreseeable future. And the Bills were incredibly pass-heavy last year. And they basically have uh, a Cam Newton-esque type of quarterback who just calls his own number at the goal line and steals a lot of touchdowns that could go to Moss or Singletary. So given that they aren't getting the ball a lot as runners, they're not used all that much as receivers, and then they're not getting the ball at the goal line. It's like, like what is their functionality? Like you're just betting on talent and on the offense and hoping that it works out for them from a usage perspective. But I, I just that doesn't feel good. So uh, I think that this highlights – one of the thought processes that would be going on in your mind in a dynasty startup. And I just want you to talk about that a little bit, which is that on some level, it is better to be going after players that have a chance of becoming the guy in their offense versus seeking that level of production that you can rely on, right? You'll hear people often talk about, well, you know, it's some production that I can expect to be able to put into my lineup. You generally seem to be of the opinion that you're going to underweight that reliable production and place more emphasis on getting guys that can really realize the upside that they have. What is reliable production do for me if it's not difference-making production? Like, it just means that I have a better chance of finishing fifth or something. Like, I, I want to win, you know, so I'm going to be swinging for home runs with literally every pick, you know. Uh, and that's – honestly, that's starting with the first pick, and that's going down. And honestly, like, the farther down the board we go on these guys, like, the harder I'm swinging for home runs. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm looking for guys that I think have a chance – of being the lead back or maybe not even like a chance of being the lead back. But if it works out that this guy can be the lead back, then do I think he has difference making potential? But yeah, I'm first and foremost looking for guys that I think really do have a chance to be a lead, a lead back. So my thing that I would add to that would be that um, also you're doing this startup and you're going through and drafting a full team it makes it feel somewhat permanent, but you, you know, as soon as the, the next year are going to have this rookie draft where you start adding players. And what I have found is that after a couple of years, you, you, you have players on your team that could be that quote unquote reliable production that like you just wouldn't expect. So like an example would be like Naheem Hines. I was kind of interested in, in him, you know, the year that he was coming out didn't do much to target him in a draft, ended up with him on my team. And, you know, things just kind of worked out where he was, 
I, you know, it was a deep league. I was able to keep him on my roster, and then he could become that reliable production. So you don't need to go after a player like that. I don't feel like in a startup, you can get that type of player later. Or if you need reliable production, there's always the waiver wire. There's different moves that you can make. Maybe you trade down lower picks in a draft to try and go and get that reliable production. But I am with you. In a startup, I think it's important to be aggressive at every pick. And you just mentioned Naheem Hines there, right? So yep. I think it's worth thinking about him. It took him three years to get to the point of having 862 yards and seven touchdowns. And even that on its own doesn't feel like it's something that I should care about. You know, like that might be his career year and it's 862 yards. Like I, you know, I don't care. Like, that's not going to be something that wins a league for me. Right. He is more of the type of player that matters when you have a team that is in position to win. And maybe you just needed that player that you can sub in when, you know, like your top level player goes out here and there. Yeah. But not a player that's going to take you to that level. Um, So I do think that there are some considerations when you have your team at a certain point for players like that. But I don't think that the startup is the area where you would go and attack that. Um, can I ask you about another player that I, I am sure you're not yes. going to be very jazzed up on? That is Tariq Cohen, a player that's somewhat similar to Hines. Yeah. Uh, he'll yeah. be entering his fourth year coming off of an injury that kept him out more or less for the whole year. Chicago is a situation where um, there's going to be some changes happening. We don't know exactly what that team is going to look like. If you're in a startup, do you see any reason in adding Cohen, given the fact that he probably falls into that mode that you just said you would be avoiding? I mean, if he's if he's available super late and I need some, I just need something at running back, then sure. You know, it would be like Darren Sproles back in the day. And it's like, Okay, like sure, I will I will add him. But he's not he's not the type of player I want. You know, like I would I would rather have and I don't know if they're really even going in the same realm, but I could I could kind of see it. Like I would rather have Gus Edwards. Like I would rather have Jeff Wilson. And I don't think like anyone is really going to be going out and thinking like, okay, Edwards and Wilson are guys I really want, but like we've seen them produce and we've seen them produce as lead backs. And it's not unthinkable that either one actually could become a lead back this year. Like maybe they would need some injury help to get there. Uh, But even if they don't have that injury help, you know, like Edwards, has been pretty consistent now for for three straight years. Uh, And there's a chance that he just continues to get, you know, like eight to 12 carries each game. He's had 700 yards as a rusher each year in the league. He's the biggest back on the team. Like he might be the goal line back there. It's not unthinkable that next year he could have like a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. It's not unthinkable that Jeff Wilson actually is the starter in week one over Raheem Mostert. So, you know, like Cohen is fine, but I'm still even late. I'm still wanting to take shots on guys that I think really could be lead backs. Perfectly fair. Perfectly fair. Um, I'm trying to find a name here. of uh, So Chase Edmonds, I know we talked about Kenyon Drake. Um 
I could see how people could get sold pretty easily on Chase Edmonds. I want you to give me the case against Chase Edmonds. Um, I don't know. Chase Edmonds is hard because if Kenyon Drake leaves in free agency, then it looks like Chase Edmonds has a, a clear path to being the guy. I guess the one thing I would say against him is that, you know, he did have a chunk of time this past season to produce and he really didn't produce uh, last year. You know, they kind of talked about him as a potential lead back, but he still had this last year uh, only two games with more than 10 carries. Um, I don't know if he actually really is a lead back, uh, both in terms of like his skill set and then also the way that the team thinks about him. So maybe he's able to do it. Like if, if it's a situation right now, where we knew for sure that he would be the lead back, then like, obviously, yes, you end up drafting him. But we don't know for sure because we don't know what's going to happen with Kenyon Drake. We don't know what's going to happen in free agency, whether they bring in another back, and we don't know what's going to happen in the draft. And then even if he enters the season as the lead back, we don't know if he's actually good enough to keep the job. So you put all of those things together and – there are just a whole bunch of contingencies that need to be addressed. For sure. And the thing I was going to say, this is a player that's already been in the league for three years. He's already had those positions, as you mentioned, where he could have been able to capitalize uh, and, and hasn't. So I can see him if he does have that role as Arizona's lead back heading into 2021. I can see him getting a fair amount of hype, but from a dynasty startup perspective, I think you need to separate that redraft hype that you're going to see from long-term hype. And I don't think that there's a compelling case behind Edmonds that even if he does start uh, week one as the starter in Arizona, that you're looking at a player that has a decent two or three year window. Um, You know, there's not a whole lot of evidence to support that assertion. So, you know, if he was going very late, in dynasty startups, I could see that. But I do think that as we approach the 2021 season and there hasn't been another name that gets inserted into the that backfield mix, you're going to see Edmonds start to creep up from a redraft perspective, which is going to pull up his valuation in dynasty. And I think that could be a dangerous thing. Yep, I agree. Okay. Any other names that you wanted to make sure that we mention um, that we have not so far? Otherwise, I think we can wrap things up here. Uh, I will be curious to see what happens with um, – so this touches on a couple of running backs. So what happens with the Pittsburgh backfield situation? So assuming James Conner is gone, uh, is Benjamin Snell the guy? Or do we see uh, Anthony McFarland have a shot at that job? Uh, and then Tampa Bay, assuming that Leonard Fournette is gone, where does he end up? Does he end up as a lead back? Um, if Fournette is gone, it seems like that's a great thing for Ronald Jones, but does that mean that Keyshawn Vaughn actually gets a shot at not being the lead back, but, you know, at being a significant number two, a guy who's probably the receiving back in that split. Uh, and if that's the case, he's got a shot at stealing the job eventually. So both of those backfields, Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, with the rookies McFarland and Vaughn and with veterans who might be leaving, those those overall situations are really intriguing. 
You know, it's interesting too, just when you think about the teams, um, both also being led by pretty old quarterbacks at this point, a lot of yeah. receiving talent. They both have that one uh, receiver that's going to be a free agent too in Schuster and Godwin. So there's a lot of interesting parallels there. Yep. But um, we will likely be talking a lot more about both of those teams as we work our way into the regular season. Um, we will be back next week. Do not know exactly what the topic is going to be there, but at any rate, that does it for this episode. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at MattFTheOracle. Thanks to Rotoviz for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.